like a whisper that lures us to safety. That will not work. What in the world did the words say here? Like strong as a shout that bids us to... I'd like to hear a little more strength and a little more shout, frankly. Like a whisper that lures us to safety... Gentle as a prayer that eases our worry. Your word comes to us, loving God. Talking God, open our hearts to hear you. Let us worship God.
Let us join together in our unison prayer of the day. Let us pray. Divine Creator, with all of creation, we long for and await the fulfillment of your restoration of the universe according to your perfect intention, acknowledging that we share the sin of the world and are in need of a Savior. We are grateful beyond measure for the coming of Jesus, your chosen servant, to give us new wisdom of who you are and new hope for who we can become. Help us to be open to Christ's transforming presence, even as we worship in community this day. Amen. God made us. God made you. God made me. And God made us to praise God with our voices. God made our hands to make organs move and bells ring. And God recognizes that even in that beauty of creation, we don't always measure up to that which God has made. And so together we can be transformed, starting with our prayers of confession. Please pray with me. Holy One, we confess that we are prone to vanity and slow to realize how our egos limit us, how earthly images and idols bind our hearts and blind our eyes to the truth of who you have revealed yourself to be in Jesus. We confess the sin of trying to envision you or understand you according to who we are, conceptualizing you in our image rather than we that we be conformed to yours. We confess that we tend to listen to the many voices of our culture and put your voice and the voice of your word on an equal footing with all the others. Forgive us, we pray, for failing to follow the lessons of the Master and limiting our priorities to our wants alone. Amen. God said through the prophet Isaiah, The righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus Christ is this righteous one, and he has borne our iniquities as foretold. It is through our righteous Lord that our sin is forgiven. It's through his ministry of obedient grace that we are made whole and called to participate with Christ in telling this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Amen. God's poetic word for the day is Psalm 29, and as you recall, we have already sung a hymn using the words of Psalm 29. Listen again for the word of the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name, worship the Lord in holy splendor. 
The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord causes the oaks to whirl and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all say, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to invite children to join us up here on the steps this morning. I've got my friend. This is Sam the Snail. And I have somebody else I want you to meet today, a friend of mine. This is Dr. Rod Froman. Rod and I were in school together a long time ago, and he is teaching a class here after worship for adults up in the chapel it is the most marvelous class uh oh I thought I was Tom the turtle well there's Tom oh you have Tom with you I've got Sam Sam was out Sam hi Sam Sam why why did you go back in your shell Tom why did you go back in your shell oh all these kids here? Yeah, but they look nice to me. You're afraid? Oh. You, you, don't, you don't want to come out? 
What does Tom say? Tom says, I'm not too sure about these, all these children here. Maybe they'll step on me. Hey, you know what? Maybe we could get them to come out of her shell if we call them by name. This one is Sam. That probably frightened him a lot, I'll tell you. Mm. We could call Sam, and then we could call Tom. With what kind of voices? Should we shout at them? Do you want to scream? Shout as loud as you can. Call them to come out of his shell. Just say, hey, Sam, come out of your shell. Try that. He didn't like it. Try, see if that, that works with... Uh, All right, give it a, sh- give it a shout. Talk to Tom. You need to shout it so maybe he's not hearing. Maybe the shell. Oh. They're the same trouble as the congregation earlier in the call to worship. Yeah. Now, if we wanted them to come out of their shells, what would we? How would we talk to them? Oh. Maybe say, please come out of your shell. Would, would please work, Tom? You think please would work? Yeah. He, he likes please. <laughs> try, try that with Sam. Sam, please come out of your shell. Hey, Sam, old buddy. Hey, good hey, to see hey, you, dude. All right. All right. Yeah, hey, man, you're looking good. All right, all right. Yeah, kind of like yourself. Like each other. They never see each other for a long time. Get that shell for Christmas? All right. Nice shell. Yeah. You know what I think? Yeah, I know. I thought so, too. Sam says that people are a lot like snails. And they're probably a lot like turtles, too. They kind of stay inside their shells unless people are kind to them. Yeah. You, you want to come out? Yeah, you yeah. can come out. Well, let's. Well, will, it, will the children please ask? You, you want them, the children, ask you to come out? Yeah. See, if okay. you're kind, people come out of their shells. Okay. Can you guys ask Tom to come out? Yeah. Sometimes the voice that we need to hear is not a big, angry voice or a loud voice, but a quiet hey, buddy, voice. Good to see you. Yeah. yeah. Let's pray together. Lord God, sometimes we use big, loud voices and we can't hear yours. And we know that you want to speak to us. And sometimes we can't hear each other because we're too loud. So help us to use our best voices, our voices of kindness and encouragement, voices like Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I hope you have a great time in See Sunday everybody. school. And as you head out, I'm going to ask Bruce Frank to explain a little bit about this next hymn, because it's new.
We've sung it. Now we'll hear that from which in scripture it is derived, Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, there was a, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Well, we had the crashing water, and then we had time in the garden, and there was also that stanza you sang, cleansing water once at Jordan, closed around the one foretold. That is the subject of our gospel lesson today. We're going to be reading about the baptism of Jesus on this Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And we could choose to read it either from the Gospel of Matthew or the Gospel of Mark. And today we're going to use Mark. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Words. Words, words, words. Our society is full of words on billboards, television screens, and newspapers and books. Sometimes they come in short spurts, tweeted or Facebooked. Words whispered, shouted, sometimes they're sung. Words that move and dance and change in color. Words that say, taste me, smell me, drink me, sleep with me. Most of all, they usually say, buy me. And then you come to church and you're presented with a sermon. It's just more words. And with so many words around us, well, they're just words. And they have really lost their power. But the word has power to create. When God speaks, God creates. When God said... Let there be light. Light was. God speaks light. For God, speaking and creating are the same. What we say is important. When thoughts pass from our brains through our hearts and we say, I love you, we can give another person new life and new hope, and wonderful courage. When we approach someone and say, I hate you, we can destroy them. I need to be more careful with my words. 
and so do you. I mean, I suspect when you saw a sermon title printed in the bulletin with The Voice, you surmised that the underlying theme was going to be something that connected Scripture with that American reality TV show, The Voice. Actually, the show is something like Ted Mack's original talent show, dressed up with a little more exciting graphics and bands and colors. The seventh season began on September 22 this past year and ended with a finale just before Christmas on December 16. And yes, there is a program with that title, but ultimately, today we want to talk about the voice. Years ago, little Lisa Dunlap asked her mother Carol, Mommy, are you really the tooth fairy? And Carol looked straight at her young daughter and said, Yes, Lisa, I am the tooth fairy. But please don't tell your little brother. We don't want to spoil things for him. And he has a lot of teeth that he's going to use. And he's looking forward to placing his teeth under the pillow and getting a surprise the next morning. Several days later, Lisa asked her mother, Mom... Last night, how did you get into Janine's house? (laughs) She had finally deduced that her mother was the tooth fairy, right? (laughs) The voice. Now, it's easy sometimes to remember some of the last words of famous and infamous people. You know, those last utterances before they exit the stage into oblivion. Like Civil War Union General John Sedgwick, who, looking across a field at a bunch of Confederate snipers, said to his nervous aide, they couldn't hit an elephant at this distance. And the first one to die was General Sedgwick. But what about famous First words. I mean, you know, those words that launched some new venture or discovery. I mean, we remember Neil Armstrong's first words when he landed on the moon. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And Alexander Graham Bell's first words spoken on the telephone in 1875. Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you. There have been lots of other first words that signal the beginning of important events or technological advance, while less familiar were no less revolutionary. Many of these famous first words, like Bell's call for his assistant, were uttered in the advances of communication itself. Take, for example, the first words ever sent electrically over wires via telegraph. While many others had experimented with technology before him, Samuel Morse was the first to send a message over a real telegraph line on May the 24th, 1844. He sent it from the Supreme Court chamber in the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. And the first message sent across the telegraph was from the Bible. Numbers 23.23, a text selected by Annie Ellsworth, the daughter of a friend, 
They were sent to Baltimore, and the first electronic words were these, What hath God wrought? More first words followed as communication technology advanced. The first words spoken over a wireless radio were uttered on December 23, 1900 from a station on Cobb Island in the Potomac River by Reginald Aubrey Fessenden. Here are his words. One, two, three, four, it's snowing where you are. The first word spoken that ended the era of silent movies was 1927, and it was Al Jolson's clever line from the jazz singer, Wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. <laughs> Dial the clock forward a bit and we read the first email sent by a computer engineer, Ray Tomlinson, in 1971. No, it wasn't an ill-advised rant about his boss that he sent accidentally. It was just the top row of his typewriter. It was a test email to himself. The first tweet was sent by Jack Dorsey in 2006, and it said in a way that only people interested in the minutia of life in the Twitterverse world can understand. The first tweet was, just setting up my Twitter. Of course, um, important first words aren't confined to the advent of communication devices. The first words a child speaks, for example, are anticipated by months by parents who can't wait to hear what Junior actually wants. The nine most common first words for babies are Dada, Daddy, Mama, Dad, Mommy, Mom, Cat, No, and Dog. If the first word uttered by your child is money, you actually have a teenager, not a baby, just so that you know the difference. (laughs) First words announce that something new has begun, no matter how mundane the words may seem. Um, The first words... Ever spoken were let there be light. The first words in the history of the universe were spoken not by humans but by God, who uttered those words at the beginning of a brand new project called Creation. God's word signified a major shift from the existing formless chaos of the earth, represented by the deep, toward order and separation and goodness, represented by God's illuminating presence. Do you recognize the name of Elwood Edwards? Probably not. Many of you have heard his voice every day. Didn't know it was Elwood. Actually, Elwood's voice is heard more than 27 million times a day. That equals more than 18,000 times each minute of the day. Elwood Edwards is the man behind those three wonderful special words, which are not I love you, but are dear to the hearts of many computer users 
who have a certain program to receive things in their inbox. His is the voice that says, you've got mail. In 1989, Edward's wife, Karen, was working in a customer service for a little-known outfit in Vienna, Virginia, called Quantum Computer Services. Now, Quantum owned the online service Q-Link. She overheard the company CEO, Steve Case, described how he wanted to add a voice to the user interface, and she said, well, you could use Elwood's. Now, her husband, Elwood, had a career in radio and TV, and he agreed to record four simple phrases on a run-of-the-mill tape recorder. The phrases were these, welcome, files done, goodbye, and you've got mail. Quantum changed its name to America Online, and Edward's voice debuted on AOL on October the 1st, 1989. The rest is just history. Imagine, 27 million times a day, someone hears Elwood, Elwood, Edward's voice. Now, there's a cartoon of a little boy sitting under a tree with his dog, And the boy is reading the Bible, and then a voice comes to Moses from above, and he turns to his dog and asks, Have you ever heard a voice from above? And then the dog's thoughts appear in a bubble above the dog's head. And the dog is saying, Yes, the voice I hear is, Attention Kmart shoppers. Today, we are bombarded by disembodied voices and background noises. Not only are we told we've got mail, we jog to downloaded music and podcasts and elevators sing to us and at work and and computer-generated voices nag us about our empty gas tank or that our door is ajar. Routinely living with all of this noise, we remain susceptible to messages shouted by various voices, or we just tune them all out. It's as if we hear voices from above, and those voices seek to control our lives. They determine what we ought to buy, and what we ought to eat, and what we ought to expect, and what we think about ourselves. Why isn't God's voice more discernible than all of these shouted sounds? Maybe our problem is that we listen to voices that sound like our own too much. We become enamored with our own tonal quality. It's something I fear on Sundays. I fear that I'm too often a preacher speaking and too little a preacher listening. Have you ever thought about the significance of the human voice? Earl Stanley Gardner, famous mystery writer and creator of Perry Mason, was himself a lawyer. In his trial work, he had a partner with a rather remarkable skill. This lawyer could detect critical information in cross-examination simply by listening carefully to a person's voice. This was information that went unnoticed by virtually everyone else. But in an article in Vogue magazine, Gardner notes that in the years that this man was his partner, 
they would be in court together and they would be sitting beside this table and his partner would just be looking like he was doodling or not paying attention, but he was listening to the voice of everyone on the stand. And then he would say, ah, that's not truthful. And he would let his partner know he could hear it in the voice. Tempo. Sound. Every one of our voices is really distinct. Now the psalmist. The psalmist was in love with the voice of God. He described it in wondrous terms. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of the Lord thunders. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks cedars. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. Lays the oaks bare. The voice of the Lord. What a remarkable passage. How did, the, how did God create the world and everything that's in it? He spoke. Now that is a powerful voice. Powerful enough to bring creation into existence and that's soft enough to comfort the aching heart. I mean, you remember Elijah in the wilderness fleeing from Queen Jezebel. Why he ever ran from her, I'll never know. But dependent, despondent, certain though that God had forsaken him here, he was hiding in a cave, and suddenly there was a mighty wind, but God was not in that. There was a fire, God was not there. There was an earthquake, God was not to be found there. And then came a still, small, Voice. And he heard God. Saul heard the voice of God and was transformed. He heard the voice of the Lord. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove alighting on him and, and a voice from heaven. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Understand, first of all, that God speaking in an audible voice to human beings is exceedingly rare, even in Scripture. And if you take a look at Luke's account of this event, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The words were spoken directly to Jesus. Nowhere does Luke say that anyone else heard the voice except the Christ himself. God speaking in an audible voice to human beings is exceedingly rare. And you can see why. The voice of God speaking to human beings would be so transformative as Elijah was transformed and Saul was changed. Perhaps we should suggest that if you hear a voice telling you to do something that is not in the spirit of Jesus, the voice is not 
from God. We can become deluded by a voice that is not consistent with the teachings or the attitude of Jesus. We need to listen for God's voice. One Christmas Eve, the telephone rang in the office of a pastor of the church in Washington, D.C., a church that uh, President Franklin Roosevelt frequently attended. And the voice said, uh, can you tell me, Reverend, because the pastor answered the phone. He was still at the church on Christmas Eve. Um, are you holding a Christmas Eve service tonight? Uh, what times are the services? When advised that there would certainly be a service that evening, and even the late service uh, was at uh, 11 o'clock, the caller asked, and do you expect President Roosevelt to be in attendance at that service? That, the pastor said, I can't promise. I'm not sure about the president's plans for the evening, but I can say that we fully expect God to be in church tonight, and we feel secure in the knowledge that God's attendance will attract a reasonably large congregation at the late service. As you are aware, my view of American life is that we tend to worship our work, to work at our play, and to play at our worship. And as a result, our meanings and values become distorted. Our relationships disintegrate faster than we can keep them in repair, and our lives resemble a cast of characters in search of a plot, much like Pirandello's absurdist play, Six Characters in Search of an Author. When God's voice speaks in Isaiah in verses like these, Listen to me, you who have been born by me from your birth, carried from your womb, even to your old age, I am he. Listen to me. I read words like that and I had help but think of this little ditty to remind me that as I get older, God will carry me and God will continue to speak. The ditty goes like this. I like my new bifocals. My dentures fit just fine. I have my hearing aid turned up, but Lord, how I miss my mind. <laughs> Why? Because it's my pride. My pride that wants me to be independent of God. It's appealing to feel I am the master of my fate. I run my own life. I call my own shots. I couldn't go it alone. That is my basic dishonesty. I know I can't. I have to get help from others, and I can't ultimately rely on myself. I am dependent on God for my very next breath. And it's dishonest of me to pretend that I am anything but a human being. See, it's not just a matter of pride being an unfortunate little trait and humility being an attractive little virtue. It's my psychological integrity that is at stake here. When I am conceited, I am lying to myself about what I am. 
I am pretending to be like God and not human, and my pride can deteriorate into becoming the idolatrous worship of myself. And that is now becoming our national religion. It is an approach and worship that can not hear the voice of God. It is a religion of weight and not wings, and it is a faith that will require us to tote it around rather than have it carry us. Young man lost his job, didn't know where to turn, so he went to the church. Psychological help was cheap there. Pastor was a little older, asked to see him. Kind of paced around the pastor's study, and the young man ranted about his problem. Finally, he clenched his fist and shouted, I have begged God to say something to help me. Tell me, Pastor, why doesn't God answer? And the older man who sat across the room spoke something in reply, something that was so hushed it was undistinguishable. And so the young man stepped across the room. What did you say? He asked. Well, the pastor repeated himself, again in a tone like a whisper. So the young man moved closer until he was leaning on the pastor's chair. And he said, sorry, I didn't hear you. Their heads were bent together. And this old pastor spoke once more. He said, Sometimes God whispers, and so we need to move closer to God so we can hear. Draw near to God. Hear God speak to your deepest need. Hear God affirm your life. God's voice. Is there a deeper need in our lives now than to hear God speak words of hope and love and healing? Might someone else hear God through you? Listen closely. Sometimes when God speaks your name, God doesn't shout because he wants you to come out of your shell and have an encounter with the living Lord. And if you think so too, there's a prayer we can use today.
compassionate God, as Jesus gave of himself, we are also called to share from the resources entrusted to us. And so as an act of gratitude, we offer these gifts and request that they might be received and used as evidence of our desire to tell about your love through worship, ministry, mission, and service. Through them, may your word be known, your word be done, and your word transformed. Amen. Please be seated, friends. Friends, we have some beautiful flowers in the chancel this morning, and we give thanks and praise to the Roblin family as they remember Betty, and we remember that Lee is continuing to be our miracle man and continue to get better. We also give thanks and praise that our mission team is back from Mission Texas, and what a glorious time they had. 
find Ron or Dan or Jeanette or the Deezies or Dan Trana or Deb's dad and ask them about the experience that they had. Dan, do you have something you want to give as your highlight? Thank you. God's grace on you and welcome home. We give thanks and praise that um, Van Travis Sr. was able to be moved into the friendly home day before yesterday, and we're in continuing prayer for the wonderful care that his family is giving. We're also thankful that our prayers can be heard even as we miss those who've gone to heaven. And so, Lauterbox, it was great to have you here this morning, and we are in mourning with you over the loss of Mary Severin, Cameron and Reese, and Robbie's great-grandmother. May God comfort you in this loss. We're also watching over a wonderful former congregant who had moved to be closer to her daughter. Many of you remember Beverly Fink, and her, she moved closer to be, to be closer to Beverly Ann, and we received an email from Bevy Ann letting us know that her mother had decided to let morphine do a gentle thing for her. And so as, she, as Bev Fink makes this transition to God, we give thanks and praise for family being around her and for the gift that God gives to us of the promise that we will see one another again. We're also in prayer for our world as it once again faces terrorism. And in particular, we are in solidarity with those living in Paris. Sir? Thanks, Carrie. Some of us are also rejoicing that we had an officer's retreat uh, this past weekend down at the Abbey of the Genesee. Our elders, our deacons, our trustees were there. And we actually had a session meeting while at the retreat. We don't have to have one Tuesday night, which is really pretty nice. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, we bow before you this day, acknowledging your wisdom and acknowledging your word. We pray for ourselves for a greater faith in you and your way of transforming the world. We pray for courage to see and stand against the popular misuse of power. We pray for a willingness to be with one another as humble followers of Jesus, serving as Jesus served, and being vulnerable for the sake of love. We pray for a change of mind and heart and those who believe retaliation is the only thing that is just. We pray for a new vision for those who miss seeing how Christ is at work, righting wrongs, bringing peace, and promoting truth. We pray for those who need healing and those who say painfully goodbye to those they care about and love. We pray for those who travel and those who remain bound in their homes. We pray for our church. We pray for people in Texas trying to decide where God wants them to be. We pray for both perpetrators and victims of inequity and prejudice 
and violence. And we pray like Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Don't be drowned out by your own voice, as we're so tempted to do, but listen for the voice of God. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.